Welcome, Redeemed Church and family of God. What a blessing it is to be able to come to you uh, this very day as we're looking at a unique topic. And so Kurt asked us to, uh, as a church, to go into this concept of what do you do when things get very difficult and fall apart? What kind of leadership do you really need? So we went and we looked at the Bible and particularly the examples of Nehemiah as he came in and he took a city that was in ruins and was able to move it in the right direction. And uh, I just uh, acknowledge the timeliness of this, not just because of the things that Redeemer is going through or any of us individually are going through, but friends, from the very beginning of time to this day and even into the future, I'm, going, I'm telling you, and we already all know this, things are going to be difficult. Things are going to fall apart. We do our very best, but that doesn't mean that uh, we don't live in a fallen world where things can collapse. And so we're going to need to know how to be overcomers. And what we're going to see today is the way that you actually overcome uh, in God's ways are very different than the ways we as human beings often seek to overcome. So I think it's going to be significant. If you're looking to be able to rebuild something, if you're looking to see your marriage move forward, if you're looking to see your family come together, if you're looking to see a church come alive, if you're willing to see uh, the engagement that you have at school or at work be very different than it is now, you're going to have to be an overcomer. You're going to have to engage at a deeper level. And I'm just telling you, that's what Nehemiah is going to tell us. And oh, by the way, it's going to be hard. So that's the message. I've enjoyed uh, Kurt's uh, first two messages on this. First, he said that our why is, and I just want to repeat this, but he said our why is to be a spirit-filled or spirit-led church that's actually trying to transform our community by doing the works of Jesus. So a spirit-led church, that's our why. And then what we're going to be doing is the works of Christ. In other words, what would we be able to move in sense of bringing the kingdom of God to earth, as Jesus taught us to pray, that the Father's kingdom would be enacted or engaged on earth as it is in heaven. That's our responsibility. And so... We get the why. Everybody wants to see God move in a great and miraculous way. Everybody wants to see the Spirit of God touch us and move us and to remind us that the things of God, those eternal things, are more important than the temporal or the earthly. Friends, I, I just got back from Chicago. Uh, I was there for a week for work, and I'm letting you know that I took very glamorous boat rides on the rivers to the Lake Michigan. I ate at five-star restaurants, one of the best restaurants in the world. I also ate some sausage dog from street vendors, and I also got to spend some time in Southside Chicago as well. And I've seen so much in the last week that it's amazing, but as I was flying on the plane coming home, what really caught my heart or what I was reflecting on is that the very best things that man can fabricate or make, they have holes in them. They have the hardness to them. They have the dark side as well. And so... The reality of it is, is I'd rather give my life to invisible God who really does love us, who really has a greater good than to seek after the things that man can fabricate because fabricate, I've seen that the, the man stuff just doesn't really hold up. And that's what we're going to see again in Nehemiah is that it's, un, it's not until we really tap into the heart of God and start moving the kingdom of God things forward that we're going to be able to see a community that we really want to be a part of. And of course, that's what a church is. A church represents the family of God, the kingdom of God here on earth. And we want to be that kind of church. And I also appreciated that uh, Kurt spoke on the 
uh, focus not being on a building, but a spirit-led church doing the works of Christ is more on a space or a people. It's a heart. It's a movement. And so I love the uh, reality of what we're building. What we're trying to build is a people who really have been moved by the heart of God, who are all in on those things that are eternal and forever, and are bringing that to a world that uh, needs to hear that message. There's so many of us that need to be loved. We need truth to land in such a way that it uh, changes our focus, that it connects with the very fact that God has put eternity in our heart. We need to move off of what we see and start really placing our hope and our faith in what we can't see. And I really believe that's the place of the church. I'm excited because um, I had the opportunity to go through the book of Colossians, and we did that earlier this year. And in Colossians, it was so clear that what Paul was communicating to believers was that you live in a season when you're going to need to be able to walk in grace and truth, or the love of God and the truth of God. And that is so true. And again, isn't it interesting that that was written almost a thousand years after the Jews went into captivity in Babylon? So there's again, there's always this reality that you're going to go through hard things and the way out isn't to necessarily fight back. The way out is to lean in. And we've said that you lean into the truth of God, the love of God, and then he moves on the situation. And at the same time, he's moving in our hearts and even the hearts of those who are opposing us. So that's, that's the hope. And so we as a church said, all right, if that's true, if, if it was true during the days of Nehemiah, if it's true during the days of Paul and the beginning of the church in Colossae, then it's true today as well. And so we believe that there's four things we've just got to get right. And one is, is that we've got to have a worship, a weekly worship service that really honors and loves God. And that is also uh, just relevant to each and every person in our community. And so we want to be able to have a church, if, if you walked into your neighborhood grocery store, the same demographics that would be at the grocery store would be in your church. And even the, the style of worship, the style of preaching, the leadership would reflect who we are as a community. And our worship services would not be a, a rote thing or a liturgical thing, but alive and truly seeking to take care of those two things that God has told us to do, which is to love them with all of our heart, to love our neighbors as ourselves, and then to even be willing to go and take that to do what? To transform our communities. And then number two, we said we're going to have to have a focus on spiritual formation. And that's a way of saying that we've got to be able to grow as believers. We've got to be able to take challenges and to acknowledge that we're going to need to move from a place of perhaps not understanding a lot about Christianity in the Word to becoming disciples of it, of learning, and then even moving to a place of processing it through inner healing and coming to a place where we know how to stand in what we believe, that we know how to promote what we believe, and to do it in a way that's loving and yet strong, and even in a way that understands warfare. And I just want to use that word warfare today because if you and I have ever tried to do something right, chances are there was a resistance to it. Friends, there really is right and wrong. There really is good and evil. There really is heaven and hell. There really is a desire to do something right and opposition. And so we don't want to set you up for failure by telling you, oh, just follow God, say a prayer, and everything goes great, and you'll march into the prosperity church, and everything will go your way. Friends, uh, it, it just doesn't work that way or hasn't uh, in the life of uh, every believer I've ever known. 
So it's, it's just a reality check. And it's really okay because as the re God even uses that resistance just to try us and to test us and to prove us, to keep us on the edge and growing. And so that's how he makes sure that we have a, a growth mindset. So he leverages that resistance to our own advantage, which is amazing. And then number three, we said we want to have life groups where we actually meet together on a consistent basis and we have love and concern one for another, that we're investing in each other. And then finally, we said the fourth thing that a relevant church we did this day would have a community outreach or a sense of going in mission where we really do want to make a difference, not only in our community, but to even to the ends of the world and to partner with people who are doing the same. And so I was so grateful when we kind of mapped that out and then our elders said, yes, I give you a green light on that. In fact, not only did they give us a, a green light to move forward, but they said, okay, now it's time to mobilize and see if we can actually start putting this into motion. And so uh, Kurt, great job on giving us leadership to be able to move forward with this uh, mission. Thank you that you would take us to the book of Nehemiah and acknowledge that you're going to have to have a leadership church that knows how to move forward when everything else seems to fall apart. And so let's face it, it is time to move forward. Nehemiah was in a similar situation. He called the people to speak out of a vision to see a restored Jerusalem, a restored people before it was even there, it was in rubbles. And I love that Kurt said that that's one of our responsibilities is to speak it out and to believe in it. So if you really want to move forward in this area, I'm going to say that um, you're going to have to come to a place where you're willing to roll up your sleeves. You're willing to move God's kingdom forward at whatever cost. You actually have to say that. And, and when I say at whatever cost, this isn't like where you do something for your dad on, on Father's Day and you go to your dad and you say, hey, dad, I've got a great idea. I really want to buy you something really nice for Father's Day. So can you give me the money to go get it? What I'm saying is this is the kind of cost where we say, Lord, God, I need to be led by you. I need to understand what you're doing in this situation, in this time, in this hour. And I need to be able to allow you to lead me in this. And so for me to hear your voice, to me to lean into you is mission critical. And so I'm just, uh, again, I'm in need of being around people like that because so much of what I see in the world and in the church is not like that. And it's sad. And, and, and friends, you know, I'm old enough now and I've been around uh, enough in, in different situations in churches to where I have a real freedom just to share the truth. And the truth is that a lot of the churches that I've been in are like a microcosm of what we want on planet Earth, not a life that looks of the forever nature of the kingdom of God, where we really are loving, accepting, and challenging one another. In fact, church is often those places where you have to avoid hard conversations instead of being able to have them because we're not even always uh, close enough to the people that we're with, so we're not connecting. And to slow down and to do this type of a church is so exciting to me. I, I want to see a true church make a difference in our kingdom now more than ever before. And so I'm willing to do that. I'm willing to pray. I'm willing to roll up my sleeves and make this happen. And I'm willing to face some opposition. And oh, by the way, that's the three points of my message today. So if you uh, think in terms of what it's going to take, I'm acknowledging that number one, friends, if we're going to really give real leadership in a time when things are falling apart and they always have been and they always will be until the return of Christ, 
And if you don't believe me, go back and read uh, Revelation chapter 1, verse 16. And even then, I'm just going to read it for you. It says, In his right hand he held seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in its strength, Revelation 1, 16. And so it's talking about truth, which is able to pierce the uh, souls and hearts of men. And then it goes on, it says, For the soul and the spirit of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and the attention of the hearts in Hebrews 4.12. So when we're looking at truth, truth is going to move on us in such a way that it's going to, to cut through all the peripheral, shallow, surface-level things don't work and say, let's just get down to the heart. Let's get down to the core. If you're not really spirit-led, then let me just ask you a question. Hey, church, what are we? If we're not spirit-led, what are we? Are we man-centered? Are we doing the best we can? Are we just trying to eke through, uh, you know, and, and make it till we die? I mean, that is so non-inspiring. You're either God-centered and spirit-led, or you're on the wrong path. And then, uh, believers, let me ask you just another question. If we're not hearing from the God uh, that wants to speak to us through a spirit, and if we're not doing the things that he's asked us to do, then how can we come up with any other conclusion than, hey, Lord, take your truth, pierce my heart, and would you please give me a course correction? I want to be on the right path. And so that's, that's probably the seriousness I'm bringing to it. Friends, if, if you want to move in that situation, then I'm just, again, acknowledging that step number one is to pray, or I'm going to call it take a knee. And I don't mean like take a knee or tap out <clears throat> like you're resisting, somebody or you're in an MMA fight and you're giving up. I mean, take a knee like you're praying like you mean it. And you're going to see that Nehemiah did this. And Kurt already brought it out. But go back and look at Nehemiah chapter 1, verses 4 to 6. I mean, chapter 1, verses 4 to 6. It says, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. And I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Let your ear now be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant, which I am praying before you now, day and night. Nehemiah knew things were bad. Nehemiah knew that unless God intervened, that they didn't have a chance. Man couldn't bring to that situation what was necessary to be able to see a successful outcome. Therefore, he took a knee. He prayed day and night. He prayed from that place where the Spirit of God cuts through everything into that inner man. And friends, there is no shortcut. There is no other way. We've got to pray like that. And Kurt asked us, when was the last time that our hearts were really broken for the things that break the heart of God? And so, you know, this is simply a call to reconnect. Reconnect to being led by His Spirit. And oh, by the way, that same spirit that will hit us deep will charge us deep because we don't have what it takes to be able to change this world, but we also don't have the, actually the tenacity and the long suffering and the willingness to put out the effort unless we are carried by God to do so. And so it's not just hearing his voice, but it's being refueled and recharged, which is what prayer does. And so I'm just going to take a quick time out. And I don't mean Caleb stop things. I mean like a time out to everybody that's listening right now. Uh, our church, uh, Kurt, the staff, the elders, they've asked us to take 
a season of prayer and everybody to sign up for at least an hour so that our church is praying and being prayed for 24-7. I'm just acknowledging I don't want to be prayed for 24-7 without praying also in that. I'm not looking to have other people pray for us. We as a church, it's time to lead. It's time for us to step up and have our hearts changed through meaningful prayer. And so I know you can go on the website and do that. What happens if the hour you want's already taken? Double up, double down. Man, let's pray like we mean it, like our lives will change and that we'll actually be empowered by God to make a difference while we're on planet crazy. That's what I'm praying for us. And that's what I'm asking you to sign up for. All right, back to the real message. Number two, if you want to really uh, move these things forward, take a knee. Number two is you're going to have to roll up your sleeves and get ready for work. If you ask God to do his work through you, then I'm just about believing that he will. I think he's just waiting for people to say, yes, God, I'm willing to see you move in my life. And here's why. There's a lot of things that mankind has put into motion that work against the kingdom of God. Agreed? Think about it. I mean, has God really wanted to see us murder people, hate people? Has God really wanted to see us uh, move forward at the expense of others instead of being generous and lifting others up? God, God is not looking for people who take advantage of others. God is looking for people who will lay their life down and serve others. Just as Jesus did, that's what he modeled. And so things uh, need to be redone that mankind has put into motion. But the things that God has put into motion, they're forever. They're doing just fine. So God wants to do those eternal things through the life of mankind. And so it's our opportunity to say, Lord, I want to ask you by faith to do your work through me. To do the things that man has, has wronged, I want to help make that right. I want to apply your truth, your forgiveness, your love to those situations. And then, Lord God, where man doesn't have an answer, I want to see you move and bring the answer because you are the answer. You are the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through you. Would you work that way through my life? That's what I mean by rolling up our sleeves. People, we have put some really wrong things into motion. Can't we now use our life to yield to God to start doing the right things? That's, Nehemiah pushed him that way. Look at Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 17. I know I'm going chapter by chapter here, but I'm just highlighting some of these points. Nehemiah 2, 17 says, Then I said to them, You see the bad situation we are in, that Jerusalem is desolate and its gates burned by fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem so that we will no longer be a reproach. And it goes on, and then they said, let us arise and build. Let us roll up our sleeves. Let us get our armor on and get to work. I don't know. I just, I love that mindset. And we're going to have to have that mindset. So it's not only just a pray, but it's are you ready to do the work of God, even if it's hard? Friends, I think a lot of you know that I like the Minnesota Vikings. I just do. And I'm, I'm going to go a little deeper and let you know why I like them. Because as a little kid, I was only nine years old, and I was watching a NFL football game, and it was the, the uh, Minnesota Vikings, and they were playing in Minnesota. And I'm talking old stadium, outdoor stadium, purple people eater stadium. And here's Bud Grant in his purple shirt 
and short sleeves and it is a blizzard. And so then I look at him and you can see a short sleeve coach, Bud Grant, middle of winter, and his arms almost match the color of his shirt. That's what, that's the kind of ferocity, that's the kind of toughness I believe we need that we're gonna, as leaders, we're gonna model that it's okay to go through hardship, that it's okay to stand your ground, that it's okay just to be able to do hard things. And I believe that we need to almost impart that in our people this very day. So I just want to say to uh, the leadership at Redeemed Church, I've seen you. You guys are going sleeveless in cold weather. I mean, I mean, you're not, but you know what I mean. You're doing the hard things. We have had a rough years. I mean, look at, look at the reality of what this church has been through. They went through a really terrible split. But then we start re bringing it together, rebuilding, and then the pandemic hits. And then our pastor's led to be able to step aside to a different ministry and season for his life. And then here we are. It's like we are the few, the proud, the Marines. We're sitting here doing everything we can to roll up our sleeves and to allow God to move through us and to reach our community. I'm just, I'm pleased to get to be with people like that. So thank you. Thank you, church body. Thank you, staff. Thank you, elders, because I want to be able to see our church model that kind of toughness and love at the same time. So if you're going to, here's point number three, and this is where I, I'm not apologizing, but I'm wanting us to slow down again because what I'm saying is absolutely true and I wanna make sure we hear it. If you're willing to take a knee and really take prayer seriously, if you're willing to really roll up your sleeves and commit to doing the work of Jesus Christ, then you need to, number three, be prepared to be socked in the face. Yeah, I mean, friends, you will get hit in the face. I remember growing up, I got some 14-ounce uh, boxing gloves. We started a little boxing club in our little community. I was only like 12 years old, and I was feeling good about myself, and we were having these little boxing matches. We'd go down to the Y and all this stuff. And uh, I was fighting this kid, and he had a... Uh, he's an uh, older kid. He's literally an adult. He's over 18. And he had a baseball cap on. And, and, and I, I hit his, knocked his cap off because I wanted to let him know I could have hit you in the face. And I felt pretty good that I knocked his cap off. But I just, I just didn't want to hit him in the face. He saw his cap on the ground. He just came running right at me and hit me right in the face. I mean, <laughs> he realized, wow, this little kid's for real. Look. It didn't feel good to be hit in the face. It really didn't. It doesn't feel good to hit other people in the face. What I'm saying, if you're going to move God's kingdom forward, this isn't playtime. This isn't pretend. This isn't Ken and Barbie. This is get into the MMA and get ready to break a leg. And yeah, I did see the Conor McGregor fight and that was awful. But anyway, yeah, get hit. You're going to be hit. I'm just telling you up front, that's the way it works. The beauty of it isn't, God, isn't that God's going to keep you from being hit, the beauty of it is God's going to work through us even if we do get hit. Especially, and here's really the conclusion, I'll get there in a little bit more, especially if we don't fight back. You know when I say fight back, we're not trying to hit them in the face, but we are standing our ground. When Jesus said, if your enemy hits you, you know, turn the other cheek, he meant that. He didn't mean uh, give up. He didn't mean run away. He meant stand your ground, turn the other cheek, and be tougher than he is. Anybody can hit somebody. Anybody can accuse. Anybody can do this malicious, mean-spirited activity. But Jesus tells us we don't get to act that way. 
is so unfair from a worldly perspective, but from a kingdom perspective, when we stand true, when we stand in love, then God's ammunition is released from heaven to change the lives of people. We give him the ammo to do what we can't do. If we fight back, if we attack back, we won't win anyway. Why? Because they're meaner and nastier. They're like professionals. They've got skills at it. We're too kind. We're too loving. We've been in the word too much. I'm telling you, there's a better way than fighting back. And what Nehemiah said is, instead, strap on your, your sword, get ready to go to work. That sword we know is the spirit of truth. And then pick up your shovel and just get to work. Stand in truth and get to work, and that will win every time. Now, it, it doesn't always feel good, but that's how it works. Nehemiah 2.19 says, But when Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite and Geshem the Arab heard of what the Jews were doing, they mocked us and said, What is this thing you are doing? Are you rebelling against the king? And then they go on in 4.6, and it says, So... We built the wall, and the whole wall was joined together to half its height, for the people had a mind to work. Then you read on in 11, and it says, Our enemy said, They will not know or see until we come among them, kill them, and put a stop to the work. As for the builders, each wore his sword, girded it aside as he built. Let me tell you something. The, there are seven times when these enemies oppose the people of God and come at them in different ways to try to stop the work. They, the Jews never lost a person in the fight. There's not one mention that any person was killed. They won every time by just staying the course and was doing right in truth. And so I'm suggesting that we do the same thing. I think it's also interesting if we'll just look at it and ask this question when we're attacked. When, we, when you've been attacked, how many times has attacking back promoted God's kingdom or benefited your overall situation? And so, you know, just, just think through of that. And even when you do um, look at it and, and try to figure out the best way to respond, because I'm not saying that you don't fight. I'm saying that the way that we fight is that we're willing to know that it's hard, that we are going to be socked, that we're not going to run, but we will stand our ground. And if God brings a point to where we have to fight, then we fight. We really do. But in this case, don't you find it miraculous that they never had to? Just having their sword and their shovels was enough. And I'm praying that it would go that way. There's been other times that we know in history where people have had to stand and literally go to war. But I want to make sure that we're not entering into human activity-based war when we at least give God a chance to change the hearts and the direction of man. So it's not a matter of fighting back. It's not a matter of running. And just to let you know, those of us who often run, uh, running doesn't work. It never has worked. It's like if you run from a bear, you become a predator and they come after you. And by, oh, by the way, look this up. A bear can sustain miles of 37 miles per hour. That's how fast a bear can run. Human, fastest human in the world, 27 miles per hour. By saying, well, he can't even maintain it for just seconds. You're not outrunning the bear. Don't run away from the fight. Be the buffalo, run into the storm, and stand our ground. We're, and in the middle of it, I know you're gonna be tested, you're gonna be tried, and you will be refined. This is our momentum. Revelation 21, verse one. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Read that chapter, Revelation 21, and you're gonna see that at the end, we win full speed on. And I'm asking you this day, 
put your name in the Lamb's Book of Life, receive Christ, this kind of a life, give your life to Him, and church, let's continue to stay our course of building a kingdom that He can come back to and know that uh, we've been able to build it with Him. In the name of Jesus, amen.